It's Pat and Stu here for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Podcast. I uh, just want to let you know, StuDoesAmerica.com is a great place for you to go to get links to my new show, which is uh, starting up uh, here next week and in full form on February 4th, right after the Iowa caucus. Uh, we'll be going to a lot of uh, election coverage and all the fun stuff, plus actually laughing at the left, something we all desperately need to do. You can also do that with Pat on Pat Gray Unleashed. Uh, please go to our YouTube pages and subscribe now. Uh, get the shows for free uh, on podcast here. Uh, I mean, you're on your podcast thing already. You're already on like wherever you're getting your podcast, you're already there. So why don't you just take, just pause this for a second, go over to Stu Does America and Pat Gray Unleashed and click subscribe. Right. And then you come back and you can get all this. It's going to be fabulous. Trust I me. like it. Trust me. Uh, we've got a lot going on on the show today. Uh, we're in for Glenn. Uh, he's, uh, his daughter is having a surgery today, so he's out. He should be back tomorrow. Uh, we talk about how Elizabeth Warren is a terrible person uh, in, in seemingly every way. Uh, and uh, it's not a maybe a nice thing to say, but there's some evidence of this. And honestly, it, it's uh, it's about Bernie Sanders. Uh, we'll get into that today, um, as well as uh, uh, we go to um, Vince Vaughn, who apparently had the audacity, Pat, to talk to the president of the Bastard. United States. I, I don't know. I don't know why he did it. I, I, <laughs> I don't excuse know. Me. I don't know what was going on there. I don't. I don't care. I, I just. It just shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened. Right? You cannot have pleasant conversations with the president. No. No. Only if you're screaming at him is it allowed for you to communicate with him. And and hating his guts and letting him know how much you hate his guts. And we uh, we also talk about uh, uh, John Kerry um, <laughs> during the podcast and get into his. Fudgeable, uh, fudgeable contributions to Iran, and some of that money might have gone to nefarious places. We we don't know. I'm sure some of it. Some of it. Of course. I mean, you know, whatever. (laughs) We get into all the ways it did on the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. had the national championship, the college national championship last night, uh, which, as everybody knew, was going to happen. It was won by LSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did seem pretty clear, although yeah. it was a little bit in doubt in the first half. A little bit. Mm-hmm. And they got they got somewhat close in the third quarter, too. Um, but in the end, it was uh, 42-25 LSU over Clemson, which I think is an, a little bit of a refreshing change. I'm, you know, Clemson, Alabama, Alabama, Clemson, Clemson, Alabama. Alabama Clemson a little different last night a little bit different it still had Clemson which I'm a little tired of I'm almost as tired of Clemson as I am Alabama (laughs) I'm just about there I'm not quite there but uh, you know it was I mean that LSU team is one of the greatest college teams of all time I think so I mean uh, set all sorts of records undefeated pretty much blew everybody out that's a it's a remarkable story attending the game last night was uh, Donald J Trump and his wife Melania, and sitting next to them. Oh my gosh! I mean, so disappointing. Right next to them, talking to them, talking. The mouth actually touched him, <gasps> touched them both, oh shook gosh. hands with each of them. Oh my gosh! Actor Vince Vaughn. Oh jeez, what a disappointment. Oh, what a horrible person. How could you do that? How could you talk to the president of the United States? Yeah, this this went viral yesterday because someone posted it on Twitter. A left, uh, someone on the left. And said, I, you know, I, I, I'm very sorry to have to share this clip with you. Like, to say, like, now you have to hate Vince Vaughn. And I know you liked right. him before, but now you have to hate him because obviously he's talking to Donald Trump, which makes him a bad person. And now you can't <laughs> watch his movies anymore. Like, that is legitimately the tone right. of the way the left handled this. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. And I just don't understand that. I mean, I, you know, 
and maybe it's because we've been on the wrong side of this for so long in that almost every single person in Hollywood in entertainment mm-hmm. is far far left and they all go perform for Democratic candidates. They all have their music used by Democratic candidates. They all mm-hmm. show up at Barack Obama's White House. They all come out in ads for socialized medicine and, um, you know, mm-hmm. rich people are evil despite the fact that they are them. And uh, guns, you shouldn't have them. You're not responsible enough. And you shouldn't drive that SUV. You're a bad person. And Let me get way, my motorcade. Killing babies is not a problem. Yeah. In fact, it's desirable. It's desirable. And if you don't allow people to kill babies, then you're a terrible person. Mm-hmm. We're so used to that with every celebrity that, I mean, I don't even price it in. Like, I go to a movie, and at, at no real point do I uh, do I factor in whether the person has a left or right-leaning politics. It's like, it's just not something I consider... With the possible exception of some people who are so in your face about it that it's yeah. hard to separate them from the characters they're playing. Robert you know? De Niro is like that for me. De Niro's getting there. Um, you know, uh, Martin Alec Sheen, Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Barbara Streisand. Jim Carrey uh, has gotten to that point for me. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so, <laughs> there are certain, there's a certain level of activism that gets so in your face. It's just tiring, and you no longer see the person as the person they're playing. You only see them as some left-wing activist that's in your face trying to give you a message. Right. And that's a different line than the average celebrity who certainly votes, probably 95% of them vote uh, Democrat, but at least you can kind of brush it off. With the, the, the left is not used to that, that arrangement. No. If you not. come out and you publicly are not, and, and there's no indication by the way, that, that, uh, that Vince Vaughn was supporting Donald Trump. He was just speaking to the man, right? Just speaking to the man in a friendly fashion. Now he probably does support Donald Trump People, as we know, but it, well, I don't know that a lot of people put him in that category. Yeah. I, I mean, that if he I, might lean Republican or it was libertarian. Surprising. I remember when I heard it, it was, it was surprising. Mm-hmm. No, but Vince Vaughn is really more of a Ron Paul, Rand yeah, Paul type of guy than a yes. Donald Trump guy. Now I don't know. Maybe, you know, I haven't heard much about his politics recently, but if it came to Trump or Hillary or Trump, he or would Biden, like, right. I think he's going to given the choice. He's going to, he's going to lean Republican. Yeah. Though it, he's not exactly the same brand of Republican that you'd necessarily associate with Donald Trump. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he is much more of a, a libertarian leaning guy though again he's not he has not made politics so in your face uh, uh, as a part not at all of his his, right. his day-to-day life he does he's an he's an actual person an individual that supports politicians just like everybody does however he doesn't make it your you know his business to, to put it in your face all the time mm-hmm. the fact that he can't have a polite conversation amazing with the, not not even just some random candidate the president of the united states I mean, it uh-huh. used to be that that was sort of expected. You'd at least have positive interactions with a president, even if you didn't like them. And now we're at that point where it's mm-hmm. trendy to just not show up to the Oval Office. And, and you see that occasionally um, from time to time over the years. I remember there was a guy on the, the Boston Bruins who was a Republican and did not go to see Barack Obama. Right, when they but won. those were few and far between. Very few and far between. Now it's like the entire team yeah. won't go. Yeah. And the Golden State Warriors famously didn't would go. not go see Trump. You know, I, I can understand. You don't have to go. You don't have to make it a, a big deal. However, the idea that you can interact with people across party lines in normal conversation, like that's not, that has nothing to do with politics. That's just a normal human way human of decency. dealing with life. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's not supposed to be controversial. <laughs> you do realize that when you walk into Starbucks and you buy a cup of coffee or you go to McDonald's, eh, there's a 50-50 shot. You're dealing with someone who doesn't agree with you politically. And I, you know, I, I don't need every interaction I have in my life to be with someone I, dis- I agree with on every topic. I don't need that in my life. <laughs> Nor do I want it, to be honest. And I don't, honestly, more than that, I don't want to even know. I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you, what you believe. I, you know, I'm going to obviously fight for what I believe is right. But this idea that you, like, you know, Ellen dealt with this a few weeks ago. Where Ellen was sitting with George uh, W. Bush. And they're friends. And they're friends. You know, and I, you know, are they friendly? They, they, they're friendly, right? I mean, I'm yeah. sure they're not hanging out every day. <laughs> but they can't even interact in a positive way. I mean. It's crazy. Ellen does Ridiculous. more for the democratic position when she does something like that than any crazy activist does yep. because she shows she's a normal person. She shows that she is willing to to talk to someone she disagrees with and that makes Republicans, mm-hmm. conservatives like her more. Yeah. You know, it Absolutely. means maybe they're going to be more interested in one of her, when she does make a point about liberal politics on her show, maybe more conservatives might listen to it and consider it. They might not like it. They might mm-hmm. not agree. But at least it'll be part of, of the conversation. And with Vince Vaughn last night, it's not like he was at a fundraiser with Trump <laughs> right. or for Trump or for the Republican Party. He's at the national championship football game. Yeah. And and Trump happens to be sitting next to him. I mean, it's not like he went there specifically to see uh, Donald Trump or support Donald Trump. And the fact that, you know, he was pictured talking with him and you're not, I guess you're not supposed to even acknowledge he's alive. Yeah. It's just, it's gotten so ridiculous in this country. Where does that end? It can't end in a good place. If we keep this up, if we keep insisting that uh, you can't even talk to Donald Trump or people who support him, or you're a racist, you can't even be near them. You can't touch them. You can't talk about them in a decent way. I mean, I don't know where that ends up, but it can't be in a good place. (laughs) doesn't seem like it would be. No. But it goes back to, I think, what we we discussed last hour, which is the design of of this approach is not necessarily um, different than when we talk about how, uh, you know, uh, the the left can can get away with a blackface scandal like uh, Trudeau or Northam. But someone on the right who, who would do it would obviously be thrown out of society immediately. And it's not about whether you wear blackface or not, or whether you are Republican or conservative per se, it's about ostracizing anyone who would even be mildly friendly to one of these people. So what do you mm-hmm. do if you're in Hollywood? Now, Vince Vaughn is Vince freaking Vaughn. Vince freaking Vaughn can do whatever he wants, right? Like, he is a huge star. He's, I mean, he's been making critically acclaimed movies over the past few years, uh, Dragged Across Concrete being one of them. Um, that have been really well received and have done uh, really well with critics. Um, he hasn't been making as many of sort of the old school Vince Vaughn comedies lately, but the guy has, still has a really good career and honestly can kind of do what he what he wants. He's able to survive these things. But if you're a young actor and you're coming up and you want to be the next uh, Vince Vaughn, you want to be the next Chris Pratt, you want to be the next big star. You know, you're not going to talk about these things publicly. You're not going to go mm-hmm. say hello to Donald Trump at the football game and shake his hand and be respectful because you know it might destroy your career. And that's the message that is being sent here. The message being sent is you are not acceptable in society if you interact with the president of the United States 
in a normal human way. Not out there raising $50 million for the guy, but shaking his hand and being polite to his wife. That is now off limits. Mm-hmm. And that message is being being sent. It was sent mm-hmm. as well as we saw. We did a, a few stories about this last year um, with uh, with the book about um, uh, Oculus Rift, the guy who, uh, you know, guy in a, in a trailer creates this amazing virtual reality technology, gets to the point where Facebook buys it for multiple billions of dollars. He is spotted at one Trump fundraiser and they destroy him. They fire him. He gets thrown out of uh, out of the out of the. Jeez. He has to release a statement lying about the candidate he voted for. I mean, all of these crazy things happened. It was in Blake uh, Harris's book. Uh, it's worth going back and reading. A fascinating wow. thing, and it's it's tossing people out of society despite their accomplishments because they have moderately pleasant interactions with a person. <laughs> like that's what we used to freaking cheer on. There was a time where you say, okay, look, I know you disagree with that guy, but that's great that you guys are still friends and you still talk to the to them about these mm-hmm. things. Now that is like uh, something that gets you thrown out of polite society, and it's something where yep. if you are coming up uh, in technology or entertainment or one of these big fields, you're going to hesitate being honest about who you are, which is the exact opposite of what Hollywood says they want. They kept saying, oh, they're going to keep everybody in the closet, and they want to put, you know, scared communists, uh, the Red Scare, and all these things. Well, what is it now? You have organizations that are basically like AA for conservatives in Los Angeles so they can talk to someone openly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is not a healthy environment. How often did Chris Matthews talk about Ronald Reagan oh, and God. Tip O'Neill over and over uh, and over? They disagreed politically, but then they'd have the dinner and drinks together. Uh, I mean, we heard that a billion times. You you can't do that now. I mean, now that's that's not acceptable. I it's guess. only good when the conservative when this is utilized for a conservative to abandon their principles and support some liberal policy. Exactly. Then it's great. Yeah. You know, oh, wow, like this senator has decided to vote for socialized medicine after he went out to, you know, this happened with Orrin Hatch a lot uh, back when he was senator. This was like a, this is, this is, with Kennedy. This is actually uh, uh, copywritten as, as you have to write a C after it. It's the Orrin Hatch. And Hatch would go out with Kennedy and they'd come up with some, you know, left, you know, left wing philosophy on education Mm -hmm. that Hatch would be the main quote unquote conservative voice to stand up for. And everyone mm-hmm. on MSNBC would say, this is bipartisan. They went out to dinner, I assume with Hatch, not drinks, but de- went out to dinner and said, hey, we're going to, you know what? I, the thing I've been supposedly standing for and everybody in Utah voted for me. Uh, I'm be- not for that I'm anymore. I'm not for that. I believe the opposite. <laughs> I believe what Ted Kennedy said because those ribs were tasty. <laughs> uh, that is not a good way to run a country. No, However, really being friendly with someone is fine. Yeah. You can be friendly with them. You just don't abandon your principles just because you're friendly with them. That's a trick that many in Washington can't seem to uh, to master. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Big debate tonight uh, featuring the six candidates who qualified uh, for the debate tonight. Uh, not all six have really equal shot at, uh, at winning this nomination. Um, some, in fact, I mean, might as well just get out of it now and stop wasting money. I mean, there's Amy Klobuchar. I'm a little surprised she's still in this thing. Although, was she at 15% in Iowa? No, she, she's, in I've seen her at 8, 8 and 10% here and there. 
Uh, Tom Steyer got 15% Steyer, yeah. in, in, uh, in South, South Carolina, Carolina, which is was odd, and I believe hit 12 wow. in Nevada. Um, and, and, you know, I was in Nevada over uh, Christmas break, and everywhere. I mean, Tom Steyer's face is everywhere. He's he's buying every billboard. It's like it's either it's either massage parlor, naked ladies, Tom Steyer. And I associate the two because of the sexiness of Tom Steyer. Oh yeah. It's just hard to these, super sexy. Just the overflowing sexiness, uh-huh. the utter sexuality of a Tom Steyer. <laughs> it's almost difficult to ignore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's everywhere there. And it's funny to see this because Steyer is trying something really that's never quite been done. Which is dump money as a billionaire into early states and take yourself from no one knows who you are to absolute, you know, just you blanket a state and then try to build yourself into a personality that uh, people will vote for. And he started this and he got down this road and he spent $70 million and then Michael Bloomberg was, was like... Well, I'm a much better billionaire than you. Why don't I just do this better? <laughs> so now Bloomberg has, has spent yeah. – it looks like he, by the time Super Tuesday rolls around, Michael Bloomberg will have spent a quarter of a billion dollars of his own money on ads. Wow. You, you saw them in the national championship game probably last night. Several, yeah. Several. Yeah. Um, it, it could be more than this. It could be almost a half a billion dollars. Uh, and all on Super Tuesday states, which is really fascinating because he is running in states essentially unopposed. These Super Tuesday states, none of the candidates are – they're all focusing they're on the early yet. states. So he's just like, ah, I'll just wait. Yeah. So he's blanketing, and he's, he is rising in the polls, and he's doing um, – you know, he's been hitting 8%, 10% in some of these early polls in these states. And he's up to 5 or 6% nationally. So he's kind of doing the Rudy Giuliani trick, uh, whenever that was. Was it 2012 or 2008? Eight, I believe, yes. Where he waited till Florida, but he didn't spend all the money that uh bloomberg is spending right now no i mean that, and that's so the that key. was his big mistake by the time it got to florida and he was waiting for everybody it was over he was done yeah nobody cared about him and and because of that he has such a unique path right? yeah i mean yeah. you're right with giuliani it was you know oh look all these new yorkers moved down to florida they love rudy he'll be able to win did not work Mm-mm. now bloomberg is is facing something and his path is different where he's rooting for sp- there not to be um a the worst thing that can happen for Bloomberg is Biden wins the first four states because if Biden is there and he's the obvious front runner Bloomberg's toast mm-hmm. however if one of other, two other things happen he's got uh, he's got an argument one being there's a big, big split Buttigieg wins um uh let's say Buttigieg wins Iowa uh um Sanders wins New Hampshire um, Warren wins Nevada and Biden wins South Carolina. All four of those are very possible. Very possible. Now, the dynamics change. If Buttigieg wins Iowa, does he win also New Hampshire? I mean, there's a good argument to be made that that momentum will help him. But if those four split up, then Bloomberg comes in essentially as the guy to say, look, this is a mess. I'm going to win these other states and, and, and insert myself into this conversation. The other one is a dominant performance by one of the liberals. So let's say Sanders wins Iowa, then Sanders goes back-to-back and wins New Hampshire, which if he wins Iowa, he's got a really good chance of winning New Hampshire. That's possible, too. Yeah, he wins those Mm -hmm. two, which, by the way, he's leading in many polls in both of those states. If he wins those two in a row, very good chance he wins Nevada as well. Mm -hmm. So he goes three for three. No candidate has ever won uh, the first three states and then lost. Uh, 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 The last one who did this was um, Al Gore. 
Al Gore in 2000 won the first three states. And when he won the first three states as a non-incumbent, um, he went on to win every primary. Now, obviously, someone like Barack Obama, who was already president, it's a different story. But when you have a non-incumbent, it's not as easy to do this. So if Sanders wins the first three states, good chance he, he also wins South Carolina. You know, who knows? Biden could be destroyed by that point. Then you have you have to ask the Democratic Party, do you want do you really want Bernie freaking Sanders to be your nominee? Because if you want an avowed socialist mm. as your nominee, you can have him. He's way ahead. But you know who else is there? Michael Bloomberg with his billion dollars. And he can he you're not gonna have to worry about fundraising. You're not gonna have to worry about any of that stuff. He's gonna bl- he's gonna pay for all of it himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, you might not like Bloomberg, but you know what? He's super liberal on guns. He's super liberal on climate change. He's super liberal on almost everything, with the exception of some business issues. Can you deal with that so you don't get Bernie Sanders? But he's – is he universal health care as well? I don't know if I've heard his health care uh, plan. You know, that's a good I, – I, I, I think he is. I, I think don't think he he's is Medicare too. for all, though. He's not like a full-fledged Medicare for all. He's more, a more Buttigieg approach, uh, Medicare for those who want it, as they say. In other words, the public option. So you could option. still keep, supposedly, mm-hmm. like they lied yep. to us before, if you like your health care, you can keep your health care. Until we take it away. Yeah. That's the uh, full the yeah. full sentence that got uh, muddled a little bit uh, <laughs> yeah, a little behind bit the, the applause. Uh, it was always behind the scenes. Yeah, I think I believe that's uh-huh. where he is. We can, we can confirm that uh, 100% to make sure. But he's not. Look, Bloomberg is running overtly as a supposed moderate, which is hilarious when you see him. No, he is not moderate. He is as extreme as anybody yep. probably uh, in, in all honesty more probably more extreme things. than bernie sanders on guns that is that is oh no probably about it bernie actually supported the second amendment he had his time I mean, he's from vermont and yeah. he had his time where he was like yeah maybe people in rural communities now he denies a lot of that now and he's he's distanced Although himself he was just asked hmm. about confiscation he said absolutely not yeah, he's it's not, not constitutional that's crazy because that i mean yeah. bloomberg is there Yes. Bloomberg, with the exception of his security personnel, does not want anyone to have a gun. Right. Uh, now, his security personnel, totally different story. And he'll certainly use guns to come in to make sure that your SUV is not operating on gasoline. That's coming in a, in a future Bloomberg administration for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there is an argument there for Bloomberg. Steyer is a tougher case. I mean, Steyer would have to somehow win a couple of these early states and then become— the only liberal standing. So if you look at this as a situation where, let's say Biden um, is doing very well, there's no liberals left. Biden is is cruising, and and Steyer can win a couple states. Maybe Steyer can make the argument: Look, I've got a lot of money. I can fund this thing myself. You know, mm-hmm. stick with me. I don't think there's a real Steyer argument, though. I mean, the Steyer thing, he's so bad as a candidate. He's so boring. It's just hard to imagine him catching fire. Well, Bloomberg is at least a character. I, mean, I think he's a jerk in every way known. He wants to take mm-hmm. away my freaking soda and my straws, and I cannot think of anything more offensive to my soul than going after my soda. He he even tried to take away your salt yeah. in New York. Yep. And he did take away our walking spaces. I know that. Oh, he yeah. closed off all kinds of streets where you can't drive anymore <clears throat> and actually made them walking spaces, made them plazas. Yeah. I mean, it just made things tougher to get around and navigate one of the big things he tried to do in new york too was to to have this big commuter tax where you'd pay huge amounts of money to right. drive into the city as you remember pat of course mm, you I were do. driving in the city every day it was mm-hmm. already really freaking expensive to park your car uh, and paying tolls he wanted to you know to make that much much higher think of what he would do to the yes. national capital yeah. 
I mean, as president, I mean, think of, yeah. think of the things he would push through there. That would be, uh, I mean, D.C. would be a, even more of a mess than it is. He's totally fine with controlling your life, with with telling you what you can and can't do, what you can and can't eat, mm-hmm. what you can and can't have, because he knows better than you. Yep. He honestly believes he knows better than you, that that there are people, and he's one of them, who are just way smarter than you are, and they know how you should live your lives. Yeah, and that's how that's what he believes. Yeah, it's interesting, especially if you've been listening to this show for a long time and listening to Glenn talk about early 20th century progressivism and Woodrow Wilson and how that all developed. And if you listen to this show for more than five minutes, how could you have missed it? I mean, mm-hmm. is there a, been a five-minute period on this program where Glenn has not mentioned Woodrow Wilson? <laughs> uh, I mean, five consecutive minutes. Without no. Woodrow Wilson. No, there has not. Has not been in no. the history of the show. Right. Uh, but if you know that, there's two candidates I think I like uh, personify that Woodrow Wilson philosophy better than anyone else. Elizabeth Warren is one of them, and Michael Bloomberg is the other. And people yeah. who are who absolutely believe they know better than you how to live your life. Now, of mm-hmm. course, there's mm-hmm. elements in every single one of these candidates uh, of, uh, of this philosophy. But I mean, Bloomberg is maybe the most pure example because, he, I mean, all the way down to running massive campaigns to take away larger soda cups so he can manipulate the amount of calories that you're eating. Uh, you know, getting rid of straws, getting rid of, as you point out, he wanted to get rid of table salt. I mean, <laughs> uh, think of this. He wanted to ban salt yeah. from your restaurant experience. There was another thing he was talking about recently where um, he wanted he wanted the poor to stay poor or pay higher taxes. Yeah. So that so that they didn't have enough money to hurt themselves with. Right. They would buy because if they have too much money, they'll go out to They're eat. They're going to go buy bad things yep. and put into their body. Yep. So then they can't buy drugs. They I mean, can't that's buy alcohol. Incredible. Oh, and that is progressivism in a nutshell that's right incredible. there. It's the other side Jeez. of the coin from a Warren who wouldn't say something like that but still thinks it. Yeah. You know, a lot of her policies yes. lead to the same exact things. And it's one of the reasons, conveniently, Medicare for all will raise taxes on the poor and the middle class. Uh, I mean, Bernie admits it. Warren doesn't quite admit it, but it's obviously true. And she even gets beat up by the left on, on her denial of these claims. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. Uh, 538.com released their model of of the uh, entire primary. Uh, to, again, like people like to beat up on polls. But you look at the accuracy of, of the poll. I mean, you know, the national election, they project they projected it almost exactly as far as the popular vote was, which is what they were projecting. Some of the states they missed on, um, and a lot of these forecasters did miss on that. But the idea that uh, that polls are worthless is largely a myth. I mean, it, it, you know, this, it, polls got about 45, 46 states right. Um, the, the popular vote, they got it right. You know, Donald Trump surprised in certain areas in, uh, you know, to, to a point of all reporting shows that even their internal uh, polling uh, showed that they were not going to win some of those races. And they did. So it's not always perfect, but it does give you a good uh, idea. This is really imperfect, though, because the polling in primaries and caucuses is much less reliable than general election polling. Uh, it's harder to do, especially a caucus. I mean, the, the, what goes on in Iowa where everyone's in a room trying to convince each other is such a different process. You, it's really hard to do that. And then everything has an effect on everything that comes after it. So, it, it, you know, in Iowa, you might say, okay, Joe Biden's got a 30% chance to win Iowa. Well, if he wins uh, Iowa, his chances might go from 20% in New Hampshire to 40% in New Hampshire. Everything, Whatever happens in Iowa is going to affect all these other races. So to try to project all of these things in a row is basically an impossible task. 
and you should know going in that these things can't be perfect, but it is an interesting effort. They say Joe Biden has a 38% chance right now to win the majority of delegates for the Democrats. And 38% chance of winning Mm. is obviously he's the favorite by a a pretty wide margin. On the other hand, there's a 62% chance he doesn't win. So there's a a much better chance that he does not win uh, the majority of delegates than that he does, which is a a way that you have to kind of think about this. This is a race that's really up in the air. Uh, Sanders, 23%. Warren, 13% chance of winning the majority of delegates. Buttigieg, 10%. All others, um, with the exception of uh, all others, is you know about one percent chance of so people like Bloomberg and down the you know Klobuchar. Uh, the one that's really interesting though is they say there's a fifteen percent chance no one wins the majority of delegates, which means you're probably going to have a contested, uh, a contested uh, convention. Convention, yeah, a fifteen percent chance they project wow. right now, which is significant. Yeah. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. There's a graph I saw the other day of all the social networks and how they've risen and and then fallen. And the MySpace one is just sad. I mean, it peaks, it's destroying all of them and then just goes away within like two or three years. And the only thing Mm -hmm. it's around now for is occasional scandals of photos that were posted on MySpace in the past. Like, for example, there was a guy who it was a a judge Mm -hmm. on some tattoo related reality show i don't yeah. I, mean, I know there's a bunch of those i don't I, I don't know which one this was exactly but he'd been a judge on the show for 13 years okay so he's again it's amazing the television age that we live in and that shows that could be popular enough to be on the air for 13 years we have absolutely no knowledge that they exist <laughs> but apparently this is a pretty big show and he um someone digs up his old myspace page and finds pictures of him in blackface. Big scandal. He he's a, he has to resign or gets fired. Fascinating though to watch mm. that go down because here is a guy who um, there's no evidence that he was a you know some you know, it wasn't like posts where he was praising Nazi ideology or was like he, he was at 14 KKK meetings. Yeah, he he has two pictures of himself on Halloween where he's dressed up as an African-American person, the same way Joy Behar did the exact same thing, dressed up as a a Mm -hmm. used blackface, Mm -hmm. uh, and she's fine and on the view, and there's no problems with it because she's substantially liberal enough. If you're progressive enough, if you like taxes to be high enough, if you want abortion to be easy enough to get, if you want babies to make sure that they don't really have a great chance of survival, that makes it okay to wear blackface. That, yes. That's okay. Yes, it does. So this guy, Pat, is dressed up in blackface. Again, not something, uh, just safety tip, kids at home, not a good idea in basically any circumstance. Okay. <laughs> um, however, he did this and he was dressed up as a, a, someone from the Los Angeles Lakers. Interesting because it, it harkens back to mind specifically one Jimmy Kimmel who dressed up as Carl Malone in blackface on national television right. and received no repercussions whatsoever and continues to be a 
uh, a liberal megastar. But he's so he's he's great with babies being killed yeah. in the womb. He's fine. He's with fine that. with that. So that makes the blackface thing, like you said, just perfectly fine. He wants perfectly taxes to fine. be sufficiently high enough. Yep. He wants health care <laughs> to be given to you by the government. So therefore, yep. blackface a okay. And that is the policy. And it's funny because one of the comments, you know, and it was one of these stories, and this drives me crazy, but it's like, here's here's one, the first paragraph are like the very basic details of the story, and then it's, this Twitter user said, and then there's just like 25 comments from random people on Twitter that yeah. I guess the person writing the story found interesting. <laughs> Instead of writing comments <laughs> themselves, they're like, let's just, I don't know, copy and paste this on there. But the first comment that they thought was so brilliant was, well, I'm glad this guy's learning the lesson of Justin Trudeau. You don't use blackface. How what the hell lesson did he lo- learn? But he's the premier of Canada. Yeah. It's like, he's a know, prime minister. Yeah, if you use blackface, <laughs> you can run countries? Is that the lesson he was supposed to learn? Or is it that he's Unreal. supposed to he can learn you can Unreal. run states like in Virginia? Yeah. Which one yeah. is it? What lesson are you supposed to learn? And of course, what is fundamentally built into this and of course the larger perspective is you should be progressive. You should be liberal because you know what happens when you are? You get excused for all the mistakes you've made in your life. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful get-out-of-jail-free card. You'll never have to pay a price for the things you shouldn't have done because if you are sufficiently in favor of government health care, we'll exonerate you. And that is an mm-hmm. incredible free pass to life if yeah. you happen to be someone on the left. What a wonderful thing. What a great way to live, man. You never have to deal with, with the arguments of the other side. You just dismiss them as racist. And if you screwed up, if you happen to have a little Me Too violation here, or you had a little bit of a blackface incident there. Ah, we don't even talk about it. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. So I don't know what this guy's politics are, but he's ejected from society now. And people like Jimmy Kimmel will remain on television. You know, uh, people like uh, Governor Northam, people like Justin, Justin Trudeau. Trudeau. They maintain everything. Perfectly fine. The liberal left-wing uh, country of Canada goes and supports this guy and re-elects him after the scandal. Yeah. Do you think Donald Trump yeah. survives a blackface scandal in 2020? Uh, no. I'm going to go with no. No, he I'm does I'm going to go with no. That's for sure. And, you know, you'd think <laughs> in, in today's day and age, because, you know, like, for example, Sarah Silverman, who is pretty left and um, has had minor repercussions from her own blackface scandal— she did blackface huh. on television. Why? To parody and mock and demean racists. That shouldn't hmm. be looked at as the same thing as Justin Trudeau, who just thinks it's A-OK and funny to go out and dress up as someone right. uh, just for the laughs. That's, that, those things should be treated differently. We've just treated them the opposite way. The repercussions have gone to the person who is against racism. And Justin Trudeau skates through okay. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, the, it is a fascinating world to navigate, Pat, because it, you can't find the end. There's no way to know who gets cleared, who gets prosecuted, who whose life gets ruined, mm-hmm. and whose life um, you know gets promoted. And we, a lot of times it's politics, but not always. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. And don't forget, rate us on iTunes. Somebody actually asked John Kerry about the payment that the Obama administration made uh, to Iran. 
what was it, the $150 billion that was supposedly left on a tarmac that they say wasn't left on a tarmac? Um, but he was asked about that situation, and here's what he had to say. I think that some of it will ha- end up in the hands of uh, uh, the IRGC or of other right. entities, some of which are labeled terrorist. Uh, in, in, you know, to some degree, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that every uh, component of that can be prevented. Why, though, <laughs> did you Money think that that was a uh, risk worth taking if you knew <laughs> the possibility of of what would happen Fine. with that money. Good, good question. Well, what I was really saying, I think, oh, uh, oh. Uh, first of all, first of all, Margaret, you are an expert at this. You were there. You know that the president's tweet is a lie. And the president tweeted this morning because I am coming on the show and he knew you'd ask me the question or he'd push you in a place where you did ask the question. You and the media, I think, need to call a lie a lie. Well, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying, Margaret, is that uh, uh, I'm, what I'm saying is I'm trying to avoid the actual direct question that you asked me about why we took the chance that this could end up with the IRGC. And uh, the answer to that is that I'm going to talk around what you've just asked me and really put the blame on you uh, for reading the president's tweet. Love that. <laughs> Well, uh, yes, of course, I said this, but the problem here is that you noticed it. That's the real <laughs> scandal, <laughs> is that you and the president noticed it, and right. that, what does that say about you? That's really kind of what he's trying to do there. Yeah, it is. It's basically yes. saying, like, since the president brought it up, it's not okay to bring up. It is awesome. I mean, that's a it, it's very it's a very clear a delineation of how they actually feel. Margaret, what, what I'm saying is that you, that you notice this in a fashion reminiscent of Judges Khan. <laughs> and there's a chasm between uh, the, what I'd like you to notice and what you did notice. <laughs> and I love the, the overall point is so bad. Well, the money is fungible. It's a fungible, <laughs> fungible thing. I love that. You don't know where it's going. Sure, some of it going to be uh, used on child porn. Absolutely. <laughs> there's nothing we can do about that. We expect that to happen. Approximately 30% of all money we spend goes to child porn. Another 20% goes to injecting uh, little cute puppies with heroin and getting them addicted. We know this is going to occur. Is some of that going to happen? Of course it is. Of course. Of course. course. Is some of this going to fund Harvey Weinstein rape parties? Absolutely it is. Yes, of course it is. All money goes to Harvey Weinstein rape parties. Will some of this go to the assassins that the Clintons pay to kill uh, an Epstein type? Yes. Of course. Yes, it will. Of course. Obviously. But we believe up to $8 of this 160 billion will go to help the, <laughs> to help the, Iranian, to people. the Iranian people. And we know that it's worth it. People in need. I mean, if we could just supply one cheesesteak or one hot dog, if we can get one bratwurst to the Iranian people, it's all worth it. That's basically, that's basically where he is on this one. Yes, it is where he is. I, I like is. this idea. I think this that's is a good. great... I mean, it's funny because... <laughs> money isn't fungible unless you give it to a terrorist regime uh, to use in this fungible way. One way to yeah. present yeah. the fungibility of this particular money would be to not give it to Iran and their regime so that they can spend it on terrorism. What um, a concept. It's an, it's an idea. Yeah, it's I'll, an idea. I'll say it's an idea. Yeah. And it's one maybe we should have taken. Well, they were.
were collecting interest on that fungible money, though, and uh, the interest was uh, was accruing, and we didn't want it to anymore, so we just gave it all to them. Right. Wait, like, well, wait. wait. I well, mean, I'm willing to take any amount of money that is accruing interest and throw it in my account. And I'm was, good at that. That was part of his argument, was that it yeah. was accruing interest. And so we had to give it to them before it accrued more interest. Yeah, and if I remember right, no. the money, they, they, their argument is it was Iran's money. Yes, and to begin with. When it when they had the revolution, we just kind of held on to it. We're not going to give it back to them in the middle of this. Right. So we've just been holding on to it, accruing interest, and then it's fungible. So, so we just gave it back to them 40 now. 40 years later. And again, it's the same borders, but it wasn't the same country. It wasn't the same government. It was one that took over the mm-hmm. government by force. This isn't some, like, wonderful thing mm-hmm. that, yeah, okay, look, you know, it was Theresa May, and now it's Boris Johnson. That's not what we're talking about here. It's not their money. Yeah. They shouldn't have ever received it back. Right. And, uh, and the reason we froze it in the first place was because they attacked us and took our people mm-hmm. hostage for 444 days, and we didn't appreciate that very much. It's uh, weird. Yeah. Of so. course, some of this money is going to be used <laughs> to attack Americans and hold them hostage. That's just, oh, that's just part of the game. <laughs> That's what happens when you spend money. Much of it will go to ending the lives of of Americans, and that's just a risk we were worth. We just thought it was worth taking. Will they buy intercontinental ballistic missiles from the Soviets with this? Yes, yes, they will. Are they building a Death Star with this money? They, of course, they are. Of course, they are. That's the price you pay when you get money to terrorists, though. Some of it's going to go for terrorism. You act as if you can give money to terrorists, and they're not going to spend it on terrorism. That's an absurd. Point, Katie, or whatever your name is. I believe it was Margaret. Margaret. I believe it was Margaret. Margaret. I thought it's either Margaret or Katie. All Margaret or Katie's host shows on Sunday mornings. And I'll say this about you: Look, I, we're giving money to serial killers. Are gonna spend some of it on serial killing. That's just part of the agreement. When you do this, if you take action A, giving money to a child rapist, some of it's gonna go to child raping. It's just part of the equation. <laughs> this is, can you believe he actually made that argument? I, and then it's on television defending it all these years later. You I, know, that's amazing. There's this amazing. Weird, weird thing that you can't admit <clears throat> when you were blatantly wrong. These po- these parties can't do it. Great example of this is the 2012 debate where Obama says to Mitt Romney, uh, the uh, the 1980s called and they want their foreign policy back when, when he said Russia was the greatest geopolitical threat. Well, now their mm-hmm. entire party is and every argument they make is based on the idea that Russia is the largest geopolitical threat. And yep. occasionally they'll come yep. out and say, well, you know, I don't I, you know, look, I didn't agree with that at the time or or that, that was a little bit of a harsh way of putting it. Rarely will they actually say, look. We were completely wrong, and honestly, Which looking back at it, probably was. we probably should have given the presidency to Romney. That was such a bad mistake. <laughs> I mean, in retrospect, maybe we give him six months as president now. As and anyhow, he he acts like a Democrat part of the time anyway. Maybe it's okay. Um, mm-hmm. th- it's hard for these parties to get over that hump and admit these things. But how can you possibly argue? How can you possibly argue that giving all of this money to a terrorist state of Iran? who's used it to come after American citizens over and over again, American military over and over again. It's unbelievable. It was a good idea. It's not just mm-hmm. – fungible is not an acceptable no. uh, acceptable explanation for that. I mean, well, as you said, <laughs> Stu, when, when you're giving $150 billion to John Wayne Gacy, <laughs> uh, some of that money is going to wind up uh, 
with uh, eating people. That is. Well, some eating of it people. will be for his clown shows, though, too, <laughs> and transportation and expenses to entertaining the children before he murders them. What, do you expect the guy not to eat? <laughs> Look, if you're going to give money to a mad scientist trying to create a biological weapon, some of it's going to go to widespread Ebola. That's part of the equation. And you just have to learn to accept that. <laughs> That's why that money is fungible. <laughs> fungible. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. We're so used to this where our lives are spent justifying things that are completely rational, but the left pretends not to understand, right? Like you make a joke and they pretend to think you meant something horrible and serious about it. uh, So you have to defend yourself where they are the exact opposite. They will say something truly despicable and never have a moment to even try to defend it in any serious way. Because, I mean, look, we talked about the Sanders thing earlier where Bernie Sanders is talking about these rape fantasies. Listen to this paragraph. You, you, if you didn't listen to last half hour, I, I'm not going to go through the really hardcore stuff in here. But, I mean, he's talking about basically the worst things you can say about a woman or a man. And what she fantasizes about. And what she about. fantasizes about. And, what, and also that they are subservient. They, they, mm. they have a deeply entrenched view of being subservient to men. Bernie Sanders saying this. And is this NPR's explanation yeah. of it? That's the uh, title. Is, uh, yeah. The Bernie Sanders Rape Fantasy Essay Explained. Because you need an explanation. You can't just take it at its face value. Mm-hmm. So you know, after paragraph after paragraph of justification on here, um, it says, so what does this say about Sanders' attitude towards women? Good question. It's a great question. Mm-hmm. Seems mm-hmm. to say <laughs> that he believes they, they want to be raped. Yes. And that they fantasize about underaged girls being uh, assaulted. As that's all throughout the essay. He, but NPR says, you can draw divergent conclusions from the article itself. On the one hand, he's talking about liberating people from harmful gender norms. My God. Now, I didn't get that from yeah, the I article. Didn't, I didn't either. Somehow. I have to say. On the other uh, with his nameless, hypothetical man and woman characters, he also seems <laughs> to imply that men fantasize about raping women or that women fantasize about being raped. No, he really doesn't, he doesn't seem to imply. He seem to imply anything. He just directly stated it. Yes, he says that's what it is. He doesn't imply it. He doesn't seem to do anything. States it emphatically. He states it emphatically as the central thesis of his argument. An argument that led him to the potential Democratic nomination for President of the United States. It's unbelievable. So there is some evidence uh, to Elizabeth Warren's point of sexism here. There's a little bit of a yeah. backup. Uh, to that from uh, long ago but that is a different world you uh, yeah. you don't i mean if a conservative wrote something like this there's no npr article that comes out and says actually oh, what they're doing is liberating no. gender norms you're just done in society <laughs> if you're a happen. conservative and yeah. you write that you're done you're done and it doesn't matter if it came out in 1972 you're still done no it, do- it legitimately doesn't matter even if you you could deny it was you and it wouldn't matter no 
That's right. It, it really, it's just, it's just a totally different world, and it's got to be a lot of fun, at least for a little while, until you feel like you've let down all of humanity in some dark moment. It's got to be fun. <laughs> the Blaze Radio Network. On Demand.